Hello and welcome back to the podcast Habits of the Home Advent. Uh, we are on episode four. Mm -hmm. This is our last episode in the Advent section of this podcast. It's been amazing. I've really enjoyed it. And uh, today we're going to spend some time talking about the feast, the day. Uh, but before we do that, just if you haven't been listening or this is the first podcast you've listened to, why don't you pause this and hop on back to episode one? We we had some really great um, conversations leading up to this one, and probably this one will make a lot more sense yeah. to you if you go back and listen to the other ones. Also, if you haven't yet gotten your Habits of the Home book that uh, Stu and I wrote for Advent, please let us know. You can pick one up on Sunday, any Sunday this month, or if you're not going to be around, why don't you contact uh, they'll contact you, right? Yeah, you can contact me. Just email at me. Laganvalleyvineyard.com. Email and we'll make sure that somehow we get you an Advent book. Well, uh, we're super excited to be here as you probably, if you're watching this, you can see that there's something very odd happening right now. It's like a Christmas miracle. It's a Christmas miracle. It's our last Christmas <laughs> gift to you. It is. We are joined uh, today by none other than my husband, um, our lead pastor, Andrew Masters. Hi, darling. <laughs> it's good to have you here. <laughs> you think? Well, we'll see by the end of it if you're still if you're still thinking that. But thanks for joining us for this conversation. I think uh, Stu and I thought it was a little too well behaved up until this point. We needed somebody a little a rascal to come in and spice up the feasting uh, episode. So that's your role. Not too much spice though. Okay. All right. Keep it. Okay. Behave yourself a wee bit. Okay. Thanks for me. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> So we've had a wonderful talk about the days leading up to Christmas, basically, mm. uh, the, the Advent, the Advent rhythm, um, family time, all that stuff. And today, we get to talk about the day, D-Day. Your birthday. No, well, that is a, the day. That's important. That's only important, really, to you. But for everyone else, Christmas Day, we're going to be talking about that all-important feast that we're going to have, the time with family. Um, but before we go there, before we go there, I think it's really important because we haven't talked about this in previous episodes. Stu, you wrote a beautiful liturgy for Christmas Eve, and I think we would be really missing something if we skipped over that and didn't just give a little bit of time to talk about that moment, Christmas Eve. It's, it's a day that, like, some people, it's massive for some people, and then yeah. some people sort of just gloss over it. Like, I don't feel like we've all agreed on what we think about that day. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So you had it in your heart to actually mark that day in a very special way. Would you share with us a little bit yeah. about that? For me, Christmas Eve is actually my favorite day of the whole Christmas. Is it because it's my birthday? Is that what it well, is? Well, it's partly because of that. But um, growing up, for me, Christmas Eve was such a special day. Um, it's usually the day whenever mom and dad were finishing off with work. We were all in the home together. We were wrapping presents together. It felt like all of the energy building up to it kind of was just locked into one day. And, mm -hmm. and we loved that. And uh, we always have celebrations with our families um, uh, on Christmas Eve. So I, I really do love, I really do love that day. But we're going to talk about the feast in a moment, this day of celebration, which is Christmas Day, which for everybody is 
Well, it's a bit mad, right? It's a bit chaotic. And yet we wanted to carve out a little moment for you and for your family on Christmas Eve just to pause for one last time before we then move into the celebrations of Christmas Day, just to be able to enter into a bit of like a holy hush moment Mm -hmm. and for us to be able to just, I guess, to Christmas Eve is kind of the hinge moment. Mm -hmm. It's also the turning of the seasons. And so the turning of the season from Advent to Christmas Tide. And so we wanted to have a moment where you're able to gather with your family to do something slightly different on Christmas Eve, just to be able to celebrate. And it's very, very simple. And it is in your Advent uh, Advent book. But we want to invite everybody together to gather around the Christmas tree and to take a moment to simply pray, Emmanuel, our wait is over and we welcome you tonight. And then from that moment to gather together to sing and to sing the carol Silent Night. Mm. Now, in this home, I'm going to guess that singing Silent Night is going to be pretty special. In our home, it's going to be utterly horrendous. Emma and I both got kicked out of our school choirs whenever we <laughs> were growing up. So You got in, though. We, well, yeah, I got in. Emma was just barred completely from the start. Like, it was, it, like we are not a family of singers in our home. So for us, sing, we're still going to do this. So we're still going to sing Silent Night because there's something about, even though it might sound completely unholy whenever we sing it, there's something very significant about us singing this song together in our home. It speaks to um, everything that is going on. And then we finish off after doing that by just responding again with Emmanuel, our wait is over. We welcome you tonight. Mm-hmm. Amen. And so if we're going to be doing this in the Bothell household, I want to really encourage all of our families to do this thing, to be able to pause for a moment longer and just to be able to wait to prepare ourselves for everything that's going to happen. Because the reality is, is the the rush and the buzz of Christmas Day, one, it can be over in a flash. And so to have a moment where we slow time down a little bit, but also where we take a moment just to settle ourselves and to, I guess, ready ourselves for what Christmas is all about, which is a moment of worship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for us to be able to do that by doing something different on Christmas Eve, I think mm-hmm. is really, really important. That's really beautiful. I, I want to ask you, Andrea, a question because now it's kind of a regular occurrence for us to sing together as a family. Mm-hmm. And that's something that just happened in the last couple of years is we, um, Stu and I talked about our sort of journey with the kids through hymns and, yeah. and singing and worshiping together. Um, as obviously I'm not from here as a Northern Irish dad of young children, that moment of singing together, I just don't feel like it's, was that something that was always very comfortable for you? Um, natural for you? What has that been like to sort of... Well, (laughs) um, some of my earliest memories of singing are uh, like my dad and brother and sister and I belting out meatloaf, (laughs) bat out of hell in the the car, driving places. I think also of the uh, 2019 Lions tour to New Zealand when um, I'll gig out in rugby for just 30 seconds where obviously you're bringing together the best players from four different nations to take them to one of the hardest places then anyway in the world to play rugby and one of the biggest challenges is how do we get these um, four identities to become one Mm. 
And one of the things they did in, so they do all of the like team building stuff, away days, outdoor pursuits, all this kind of stuff. But one of the things they did in 2019 was they brought in a Welsh choir master mm. and they each learned that, sorry, they learned a song from each nation mm. and they sang it together. So like you're dealing with like elite athletes in a very macho yeah. environment of professional rugby and corporate singing was was one of the tools that a lot of the guys through the tour and post tour talked about <clears throat> as being such a catalytic place of connection for them. So like they they learned um, Fields of Athen Rye. Um, I can't remember um, what the Welsh song was. Um, anyway, they learned these four songs and they sang them together. And so I, I think there's something about singing, whether you can sing or not, because right. like obviously you can sing, I can't really sing, but there's something about joining in a melody mm. and lyric that I think is is quite um is quite innocent to want to do if we can actually step past some of the awkwardness. Obviously, yeah. 30 people singing is very different than two, three, or five, but I, I've certainly found uh, it's a the thing that happens with our guys as we sing is there's an incredible sense of connection mm. Mm. the other thing that strikes me about what we're talking about in terms of Christmas Eve and the moment is I think some of our challenge certainly that I've reflected in trying to help people follow Jesus is what does it look like for our, us to inhabit the things that we say we believe mm. and so that that's where um, there's lots that we try to help people with in terms of their everyday lives but for our families in this moment, like it's one thing to sit and have a quiet moment of reflection together. I think that's important to read the scriptures together. It's important to pray together. That's important to talk, ask questions. But there's something about us as a family inhabiting that moment of singing Silent Night in the awkwardness of three or four people in a home that I, I think uh, opens us to something beyond what's possible just through the singing song. Mm. So um, I think it's been a it's been a wonderful thing that we've done together. And what's really shocks me almost every time is how engaged the kids are in mm. it. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. like you, you'd be forgiven if you don't know our children thinking about that, that we've got these little angels, um, <laughs> which is not the case. Um, or like well-behaved, very uh, creative kids. Um, I mean, one of them is definitely that. But Why do you think that is? Uh, I think it's in us. I think it's what I mean. I think when when we sing, like you know, like whenever boys and I watch rugby, like they love to belt out Ireland's call from yeah. the TV. Yeah. Like there's there's just something in that where we feel connected, mm. and I, I think we we have to we we've, we've led it. It's become normal now. Sure. But like you know, you think about like I mean, you'll be here in the next year or two where kids love when they're tiny to sing nursery rhymes. Right. Absolutely. You know, like there's there's that we we learn a, yeah. an awkwardness when it comes to that as yeah. we grow up. Sadly, I think, and I guess what you did, Dana, very well with us is they flowed out of that kind of toddler nursery rhyme into uh, hymns, worship, um, <laughs> Mumford and Sons. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, other stuff like our kids love to sing Dermot Kennedy at the minute. Like, right. um, they love to like of Dermot Kennedy album on repeat in the car, and they love to sing. So, yeah. um, and it's not because they're necessarily 
all gifted singers. I, I think that's just in us. You know? Yeah, it is. I think it, you're so right to have marked out that time to sing a hymn. When you first said it, I was like, no one's going to do it. Sure. But then I thought, do you know what? Some people won't do it, but it is such an, a natural human response. Yeah. And it's not left up to the musicians, yeah. which I think is wonderful. So thank you for putting that in and sort of contending for that space. That's beautiful. Mm. I want to move to uh, talking about the day. Yeah. Now, we've avoided talking about the day up until this point because we really wanted to make sure that people were, well, that, we, that Christmas isn't just about Christmas Day mm. because we wanted to highlight Advent. But Absolutely. Um, the morning of the 25th will come. Yep. We would have done all of our Advent readings. We would have marked out the time. We would have lit the candle 24 times. Yep. And we would have taken the space. Mm -hmm. And the day of feasting has come. And I, I have to admit that when I read it, I, I was brought to tears. I felt that rush of emotion. You wrote a Christmas day liturgy and it's a liturgy for the feast yeah and um what i love about that we talked a lot uh last episode about the external world cueing the internal world right. which is why we set the atmosphere with christmas trees and christmas music and candles yeah. the period of advent and even of lent in some in some way we're allowing ourselves to go back to the part of the story that felt a little bit like suffering the waiting the waiting can feel like suffering um and we allow ourselves to be immersed in that but when lord yeah. when is the fulfillment there's so much that is undone there's so much that is feels painful but we wait on you yeah. we wait and there's something beautiful about the fact that many of us will welcome in Christmas with a feast. Yeah. And it will, most of us will cook far more food than we ever cooked. Yes. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> but again, it's funny how food and an abundance of food cues your mind to believe that all is well yeah. and all is jolly. Mm -hmm. And it causes you to actually feel secure and safe and celebratory. Yeah. And so here we have that day of feasting. Right. The feast is our external cue to our internal world that something wonderful has happened that we need to celebrate. Talk to me a little bit about why on the most chaotic day, sure. when most of us feel like we really won't have the time, yeah. we have too many things to cook, things to take out of the oven or people to get dressed or houses to go to or fill in the blank, did we make a liturgy? Did we decide to say, hey, take some time right. <laughs> for another liturgy? 100%. Well, I think the, the inspiration for this prayer that we have written, it comes from the angelic proclamation from uh, Luke 2, where the shepherds are keeping watch over the flocks by night. And then a bunch of angels appear and they cry glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace on whom his favor rests. Mm -hmm. And we have broken this down into, I guess, a couple of things through this prayer. Ultimately, this is a moment for us to worship God, glory to God in the highest heaven. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things that whenever we think of the word worship, so often our brains go to the singing of songs 
the singing of worship songs, usually in church. Mm. And yet in Romans 12, we're invited to present our whole bodies as living sacrifices to God. And there is something about Christmas Day, us learning what it means to worship God with every single sense in our body mm. and for us to be able to engage in feasting. And so we want to mark out Christmas Day as a day for worship. Now that can get lost in the chaotic nature of Christmas Day. We're going to talk about that in a moment. But there's something about us setting aside a moment to say, no, this is a day that is for worship and it's a day for feasting. It's really mm. important. Now the question is, what do we get to worship and feast upon and it is the favor of god his love for us and also his peace mm. and so for us it was important to write a liturgy a prayer for us to call our families to this day of worshiping of feasting and feasting upon both the favor and the peace of god now the way that it, it will work now, this can take place at any moment in your Christmas day. So it might happen first thing in the morning. It might happen, um, I guess, whenever you're sitting down with your family for a meal or whatever. But it begins with an announcement where we're in inviting someone in your family to share. Today, I share good news of great joy. And for all people, the Savior has been born to us. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Now, the thing that I get excited about whenever I consider this prayer being spoken and prayed in homes throughout, um, throughout our community is who will be the people that get to make the announcement. Mm. And that could be you're going to choose the elder in your family to be the one that does that. Or it could be encouraging somebody like Moses picked at your Christmas tree this year, mm. asking one of your kids to be the one mm. I want you to make the announcement this year. And there's something really significant about that. And imagine being a eight-year-old kid who gets the opportunity to proclaim the gospel, the good news over everybody in your family. Mm -hmm. That's such a significant thing. And then beyond the announcement, we want to invite our families to take a moment to bless each other. So we've been getting into the habit of that morning and evening but on the most important day, we want to invite our families to take a moment to lay a hand on each other and to pray a really, really simple blessing. And it's very similar to the passing of the peace in the Anglican tradition. Basically, we want everybody to take a moment to lay on hands and pray over, over each other. The peace of Christ be with you as his favor rests upon you. Mm. And now, again, this is a moment where it invites us to slow time down on a day that will be full of rush and busyness and getting the turkey ready and trying to not burn the sprouts and all that kind of stuff. We want to invite us to take a moment intentionally, deliberately to pray this blessing over each other. Mm -hmm. Again, as a reminder of what this day is all about, mm -hmm. the peace and the favor mm -hmm. of God. And then it finishes with an invitation to feasting where you can invite somebody else or maybe the somebody who did the announcement to simply say, today, may our home be full of celebration. May every moment be bursting with joy. My family, I love you and I invite you to feast. For today, we welcome the King of Kings, Christ the Lord of Lords. Mm. Amen. Now, if that's done... I'm like, I get tear Every time I hear that proclamation... I, I get teary eyes. So it's, this could be a moment that can happen again in the morning where that moment can be wrapped up with hugging each other. That could be the giving and exchanging of gifts. Uh, I, I think whenever I consider this, what 
it would, it'd be so special just before a meal to do this and then to raise your glasses as the moment of saying amen and welcoming the king and then entering into literally a feast that is laid before you on a table. Mm-hmm. So for us, it is just trying to carve out a really significant moment. Again, it's different for families. It'll be maybe a bit unusual. It might feel a bit clunky this year. That might mean that it might feel less clunky next year. But to have a moment where you're inviting each other to feast on the good news that Jesus is here. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, Advent has been us our appetite, our sense of expectation, our hunger and our longing has been growing. And then on Christmas Day, we get the feast on that. Mm. And that's what it's all about. Absolutely. That's so good. I I really, really love that. Do you have anything you want to add? I saw you get a little bit teary when Uh you did the proclamation. (laughs) I think that's wonderful. You know, you're like the minister in our family. I think everybody's like, you're, you're, that's what you do. You are a full-time church leader. Mm. And one of the things that I love that you do with our kids is that is not the space you occupy in our home. You don't come in and be like, I will do all the readings. Mm. I will lead. This is how, like, you're actually better than I am at passing off those roles and those jobs to the kids. You know, I came home and the, from uh, touring and the liturgies and stuff were being said by the kids. They were leading it. They had added little things and, you know. Well, I think that's like certainly what I notice is they want to. Yeah. So why would they not then? Yeah. You know, like I, I um, like I think we are very intentional and I think this resource and what we're trying to do is equip um, those who are uh, supposed to be in charge <laughs> of creating the atmosphere mm. or the environment with tools to help them take that in the direction they want. But I, I think what's really interesting, like we have an argument daily at the minute in terms of who gets to light the advent candle sure. first thing in the morning. Yeah. They, they really all want to do that. And um, But I, I mean, I think that's brilliant. There's a sense of engagement in terms of they've bought in somehow to the environment that we've created. Mm. And I know like, you know, whoever we uh, invite to do the Christmas proclamation on Christmas Day, the other two will remember next year who, who, <laughs> it, my was, turn. Yeah. who it was last year. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's brilliant. You know? yeah. I, I think that's wonderful. We have, I suppose what's unique to us maybe is our kids are at that moment now where they're, they're not little people anymore. Sure. They're not yet awkward teenagers either. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I think that, you know, will be interesting to see how that develops over the years. But I guess our hope is that these things become normal. And I probably would say a couple of things if for anybody that's that's listening who is at awkward teenager stage is my experience, certainly when I used to be involved in youth work, is no matter how much there's a protest, there's a part of being led and mm. a part of the anchor of this is who we are and this is what we're doing. Uh, that's really really important and not to just accept that well I don't want to you know or I'm not doing it um, in, in a way to, to kind of push past that and then um, for parents particularly of younger kids like what you create is normal 
will just be their normal. Absolutely. And it's so good. that's the beauty of like for little ones, you know, our guys, this is just normal. They'll not really remember a time when this isn't what we did because right. we've been doing it for years. And um, it's like when you were a kid, I, this, I thought this was amazing. When, um, when I first met Andrew and we were dating and um, we would go out to eat at a restaurant, I would excuse myself to go to the bathroom and he would stand up. And if we were ever with other people, they're like, what are you doing? Because he would stand up and then he, when I was gone, he would sit down. Or, and when I would come back, he would stand up. But when they were young children, their father like, made sure, like when a lady leaves the table, mm-hmm. you stand up. Mm-hmm. And when she comes back, you stand up. Mm-hmm. And there were all these like little things like that. And it, for you, it feels awkward to not do it. And for so like for another man, if you try to tell him to do that now, he'd be like, this is awkward. Sure. But yeah. for you, the, yeah. the not doing it is yeah, awkward. Right. And yeah. I think really what you realize is when you're a parent, you actually have quite a lot of influence yes. when they are young to set for them what is normal. Yeah. You, are, you, are, you are deciding what's normal in their lives. And how beautiful would it be that, you know, regardless of what they think about things or where they're at, even in their own faith, that they just know the Christmas proclamation happens on Christmas yeah. day. That's just normal. Yes. And I suppose the thing that for me, I really, really care about that we model is that like following Jesus and being involved in uh, worshiping him both individually, collectively and communally that that's there's not an age where you you, you graduate into that no absolutely you know not. that their absolutely their not. little prayers are as potent yeah. you know we were at a friend's house our friend's coffee shop last sunday um you know just a few days before it opened with some other friends to just pray for it and the kids were there and one of our children in the midst of all these adults praying like fairly full potent Holy Spirit prayers. Intercessory <laughs> prayers. Yeah. There was a moment of quietness where one of our kids just said, Jesus, please help the coffee shop. Amen. Mm. And like I know for the guys who owned the place, it was as moving as anything they heard. Absolutely. The purity of that little heart. Absolutely. And the simplicity of that prayer is as important as our wordy, you know, uh, attempted um, prayerful poetry, you know. Um, and I, I just think... These things and including them, giving them space to read slowly through yeah. prayers or to make proclamations that they that we don't model. That's for the grow. This is for the grown ups. Absolutely, hundred um, percent is part of what I think has helped them be engaged. So. Absolutely, it's Absolutely. really good. Diana, let me ask you, what is like your buzzing for Christmas Day? What is it going to look like here in this home? Chaos. <laughs> <laughs> You know, okay, so I am, listen, I am not on this podcast because I figured things out. Sure. Honestly, I'm doing this podcast for self- selfish reasons because I verbally process. So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure out my life. So I've just decided I'm going to do part of it on this podcast. And process <laughs> Actually, I said, you need to do a podcast so you can figure this out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> so there's things that I'm still really just thinking about. And so, uh, and, and they're reflected in what our Christmas day will look like. First of all, we have um, lively children and I wouldn't change them at all. Um, and so it will, there will be a lot of energy. Honestly, Christmas Day for kids is like, 
being on drugs. I, I'm convinced. I, I just like the it, it, every parent knows it. They yeah. wake up insanely, like highly strong. Yeah. First of all, they wake up like four in the morning, and you have to coax them back to sleep. Like it's not the thing. They're highly strong. They can go from elation to the depths of despair really quickly. That there's this that much adrenaline sure. and expectation and hope and and excitement rushing through their little bodies. Achievement, regret. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, there's all these like it's like all the emotions, you know. Gratitude, <laughs> jealousy. Yes. Like, oh geez. It's, it's all of it. All of it. Day. It's a full day. And so we will have that times three in our house. Yeah. And all of our kids are in kind of the same age bracket sure. also, because we had our kids very we have twins and then you know there's only 18 months in between the twins and the eldest. And so it's it, everybody's kind of dealing with it in the same. There's no like old mature one who's walking the younger ones through. Yeah. Like it's 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 that times yeah. three. And then we've done something this year though that we have never done. And I am really looking forward to it. Uh, most of the time we went to your mom's for Christmas because we had really small children. I could not I could not make a Christmas meal. I was like, no, I'm gonna need my mother-in-law to make the meal. I'll show up and I'll, I'll have everyone dressed. How about that? That was my Christmas accomplishment. And in recent uh, years, I've started to make a Christmas meal and I really enjoy that. But this is the first year that we will have people join us who are not blood relatives, that we will have friends at our table. One thing that I would love to remind people of this Christmas, and I think that sometimes it's such um, a temptation and very easy in Northern Ireland because it's such a small country and a lot of people, if they live here, live close to family or within driving distance. Yeah. And so we don't ever ask people, what are, what are you doing for Christmas? Like, where are you yeah. going? Yeah. We assume everyone is going somewhere, right. that everyone um, has plans that they've had for years, and that's just the way it is. But one thing that um, you just need to remember is that there's still space. Like people, there are people who don't yet have a plan. Mm -hmm. And so make sure that, I don't know, just kind of leave space in your heart and in your conversation for the idea that maybe somebody would love to come to your table yeah. for Christmas Day. Um, and that is, that is something that I think takes that whole day to another level. Do you know what I mean? It's just, it's community in a completely different way. And I already feel blessed by the idea that there'll be people, friends at our Christmas table that day. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I also love that you know, last year it was a big table of, um, you know, friends and family. Um, yeah, because last year my, my family came from the state. And their husbands, things like that. And then this year, you know, there'll be two couples plus their kids, plus an older single lady, um, plus your mum and dad, plus us. And again, my hope is that when our kids are our age, remembering what Christmas was like growing up, that one of their memories is there were always other people who didn't have anywhere to go yeah that were at our table at christmas yeah like it's for me like these are the the non-explicit ways that we inhabit what we're saying yeah so we proclaim the welcome of god mm. but we also inhabit that yeah by inviting 
those who don't necessarily have a table with others to share in this feast to come and share with us. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think that uh, getting over, and you're much better at this than me, Dana, but, you know, getting past the awkwardness of asking the question has been a, an incredible thing over the last six months of just saying to people, hey, do you have somewhere to be on Christmas? Sure. Have you got people to celebrate with? And if sure. the answer is no, we've just said, well, yeah, come join. We'd love you to come yeah. join. And it'll be carnage. Like, there's not quite enough room. I almost feel bad for um, for some of the people coming. I want to be like, I'm sorry. It's going to be crazy. Yeah. But you're right. It's it's that thing of, I, I was, I did a Christmas song at my last show. And um, which one did I do? Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. And it was kind of like, in my heart, I was like singing it as a prayer over the audience because you know that um, everybody's in different places, you know, and everybody has different relationships with their families and, and whatever. Some people don't live near their families, you know, and um, I got to the part that I feel like we miss, and that's why I'm so excited to have friends around my table. It said, um, faithful friends who are dear to us gather near to us once more. Yeah. And I was talking to someone the day and I said, Christmas is such a wonderful time because it's one of the few times in the year that we actually ache for one another. Right. There's something awakened in us that we that our need for others yeah. is just so much more yeah. tangible during this time. And so is our table um, available to people who don't maybe have a place to go, or whatever? Yes. But I also know, because I already feel it, that them agreeing to come is deeply going to bless our family. Yeah. And, and, and it already is blessing me. And one thing that I kind of want to touch on and discuss with you guys is like, all three of us are kind of romantics at heart when it comes to this and how we talk about everything, how we talk about the community of Christ, how we talk about um, relationship with Jesus. We're really good at like sort of casting that vision of what it could look like and and inspiring people to want that. Yeah. And yet, I think we would be, uh, it would be wrong for us not to talk about the reality, okay? So like for instance, a lot of people don't have Christmas dinner at their house, especially people with young children that end up going to an in-law's house. So yeah, like what are you, so you guys are going to in-law's house. Christmas proclamation. When do you do it? How do you do it? Like you don't really get to tell your in-laws what happens on Christmas day at yeah. their house. So what are the options then for families who won't be in their home on Christmas day, but still want to engage in the Christmas day liturgy on some level? Yeah. It's for, for Emma and I, the probably the most appropriate thing that we can do is do this by ourselves. Um, and we'll probably do this probably on Christmas morning, um, but over breakfast, over, over breakfast. But there will also be, I think, a lot of the things that we're doing together as a three that we will want to carry with us whenever we go to our in-laws' home. So our in-laws, I think, there's. 16 people that are going to be eating this gun it is going to be utter carnage and and i can't wait because my nephews are uh, four and seven and just the excitement that they'll have the energy all of that but we will take time to go around everybody that's going to be there and tell them that we love them yeah. and say thank you and to wish them a merry christmas yeah. and we will go out of our way to do that through hugs and embraces and all of that. And so even though it may not be this liturgical moment of us laying on hands and looking each other in the eye and passing the peace, there will be moments where with our intention that we will be saying, 
hey, we love you. Absolutely. Merry Christmas. And we will be deliberate about that. We're also just always open that if there comes a moment where it feels in the moment that we can say, hey, actually, can I pray for this before we eat or whatever, that we're ready to do that. And um, there might be some space where we can have some conversations with our folks to say, hey, can we do something on Christmas Day? Um, we're just teasing that out. Um, it, it is a little bit of a dance, but it's a dance that we just want to be as available and ready for. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Because this this book that we've written, it's we've said it at the beginning, it's not prescriptive, no, it's no. not legalistic, it's not like if you don't say these words, you haven't done it. Yeah. So like, for instance, last year when my family were here, my family are a beautiful mix of people of deep faith. We have ministers in our family. We have people who have kind of like a nominal faith. And then we have people who have intentionally no faith. They do not do church. And we found that like, okay, so um, during our Advent times, what we said to people was here, before dinner, we put the kids to bed, they have their dinner. Um, we have a moment with them where we do Advent. This is what time that's happening. You are welcome to join. Yeah. Um, you don't have to take part, you don't have to do anything. Um, but also don't feel any pressure to come down for it, totally. dinners at this time kind of thing. And what we found is that everyone came for yeah. it um, yeah. because I think at Christmas, people love a bit of tradition. Mm -hmm. They love they love a wee reading, <laughs> you know? And I, it's interesting, for, for us, we never felt like we were preaching, like, that, like this is it, you know, we have to, you know, get them to the place where they now believe in Jesus. We just were like, this is, do you, would you like to be involved in, in who we are? This is who we are as a family. And this is sort of what we do. But I think we've also worked really hard, partly because of the liveliness, as you call it, our, of our children, to recognize that the holiness of these moments doesn't correlate to, like, the orderedness of these moments. Right. Like, there's, it's messy. Yeah. And yeah, it's one of the things I love about Christmas and the first Christmas is like Mary gave birth. Like I've been at a couple of those. Like this, it's not pretty orderly. No, no, it's definitely it's not quiet. It's not <laughs> all is calm, it's all is bright. Like, nope, nope, nope. I think the bright. I think sometimes when it comes to our spirituality, we think that it, it, it like. There's a time and place, of course, for reverence and silence yes. and whatever. But whenever you step into family, communal space, yes. if that's what you think the atmosphere needs to be in order for this to be celebrated or held, yes. well, good luck. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that there's something about the embracing of both the intention and the reality that I think is actually what the incarnation and the celebration of Jesus is all yeah. about, that, yeah. that God came in the midst of like animals and a actual physical birth yes, and a baby that, you know, was not in control of its bodily functions and yeah. all of those things yeah. that that's such an important part of what it means. I think to follow Jesus and inhabit his way in the world that it, I think we sometimes have, become too addicted to even then how our churches function where things need to be yeah quiet when we want them to be quiet and noisy when we want them to be noisy and without interruption and i just think the the, the story of christmas has gone interrupted the world yes. mm -hmm. yeah and i think sometimes in 
the most beautiful way. Kids not paying attention or yeah. arguing over who gets to say things. Yeah. They're helpful to remind to us, remind us mm. that this isn't supposed to look perfect. Totally. It's where God meets us in what we are intending to offer him. And I think that's a really important part as we try to involve our families and our friends in this is that we're not trying to create these like perfectly curated, no. reflective moments. No. That's right. As much as we're celebrating in the midst of our lives that God came. It's that thing where I think so often, particularly in the Northern Irish subculture of church, whenever you become an adult, you learn to develop a prayer voice. Mm. So you have your, you have your normal voice where you're having a normal conversation with somebody and then you get invited to pray. And then it's like, you turn on this like holy voice, you know, the reality is, is the kids don't have a prayer voice. They don't know what that is. Uh, Praise God for that. And I think we're wanting to encourage that as much as possible, like the abolition of the prayer voice. And we actually just want kids just to be themselves. And as you invite them into that, uh, the thing you said about us being romantics about this, Mm -hmm. um, I think for me, the excitement of this is that whenever we begin to not just focus on this Christmas, but every Christmas Mm -hmm. and this becoming a rhythm for us, that's where I get excited about this. And that's where the romantic part of me comes alive in that. And also it takes the pressure off Mm -hmm. so that if this Christmas it's a car crash, that's okay. (laughs) Because then there's always, there's always that Christmas is always coming. (laughs) And you know, you're able to kind of grow into this thing. And I do get excited about that where you have, you know, where Eliza has no clue of what's going on here. But if she grows up into this, mm-hmm. then whenever she's 18 years old, it becomes this yes. is normal for her. Yeah. Yeah. Where there's the expectation of actually, oh, somebody's going to make the announcement today. Yes. That yes. That's where this thing really happens. And just to encourage the families who don't have children as young as Eliza. And it's so easy, I think, um, to hear some of this and go, oh, oh no, we're, we're late like we didn't do and now we've missed the boat. What's really funny about children, and I know this because this is how I think about my childhood, if you talk to me, right, I went to Disney World every summer of my life. That's how it feels to me. And then I was talking to my mom, she was like, we only take y'all twice. Right, okay, yeah, yeah. All that to say, you actually don't need to do something for so long for a child to feel like it's normal. Children are so adaptable. Teenagers are the same way. Mm -hmm. There were things that happened when, that started happening when you were a teenager um, that now that you are like, that happened throughout my childhood. But if someone pressed you on it, you're like, actually it just started when I was like 13 or 14. So I want to encourage, like there's no, you're not late to the game. You're not late to the party. There, there's, there's none of that happening. I think starting at any time, even starting if you have grown children, I, you know, the amount of stories that I hear of parents starting new traditions with their grown children and, and, and um, grandchildren, it's really beautiful because Andrew grew up going to his grandfather and grandmother's uh, villa in Portugal, right? Summer holidays. And in their mind, that, that place was in the family for the whole family's life. But they just bought that when they were, what? At 68, he created something that felt like it was always there for the grandchildren. Do you know what I mean? And so even if you're a grandparent listening to this, creating a new tradition, there's always space for it. There's always benefit for it. You know, um, it's it's that idea like it's too late. I I just want to sort of 
challenge that a little bit. Never too late. So Christmas Day can be utterly chaotic. Mm-hmm. Um, is utterly chaotic. Uh, is utterly chaotic. <laughs> Who is having the non-chaotic Christmas? I, message yeah. us now. Uh, so... How, well, we've chatted a little bit about this. Of Before you get to that point, mm-hmm. there's some expectations that need to be set. Absolutely. Talk to us about that. I think, well, if anyone is like me, you're going to need to sit yourself down and have a wee talk with yourself. Or be sat down <laughs> and be talked to. I need to sit you down and have a wee talk with you. Um, yeah, I, I, every year, and this year will not be any different, I need to sit myself down and really sort of ask myself, what, what are your expectations here? Because I am a romantic. Mm-hmm. And so for anyone who is a romantic, one of the things that you do by accident is set unrealistic expectations and assume that everybody would have those same expectations. Yeah. Um, and so part of that, adjusting your expectations. I have said this, on this podcast and I say it all the time and it is the saddest bit of advice that I've, I've ever given people, but it works and it's be- and actually ends up being a beautiful thing, lower the expectations. Because one of the things that I've noticed in families is when there's a constant sense of failure and, yeah. and, and like a sense of not meeting expectations, most of the time it's because the expectations are too high. You need to lower the bar. Right. Or, or it creates stress in the family. Yes. That's where, exactly like, we're right. trying to make this thing happen in yeah. a certain way and it's not happening and now we're stressed. And this, I find that's so important for yeah. us to come back to all the time. Like, what are we trying to do? We're trying to create a moment where we worship. We're trying to create a moment where we love each other. We're trying mm. to create a moment where we celebrate. If someone doesn't get the word right or someone's totally. not paying attention or someone drops and spills juice everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, it's um, uncoupling ourselves from the need for it to be perfect or how we imagined it is such an important part. It's really good. We've had to learn of you. Absolutely. We've had to learn of you. Yeah. (laughs) 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 Whatever. We often say to one of our kids, um, this isn't a movie. You're not in a sitcom right now. Because you know how kids will watch TV shows and then they'll uh, copy it? Yeah. And you're like, not everything that goes in the TV show, um, like these Disney kids show, is appropriate to actually try and do in regular life, you know? Um, And it's funny, as an adult, I actually think that I need to remind myself, you're not in a Christmas movie. You're not in a Hallmark Christmas film right now. This is not, this is real life. One of my favorite, people will be surprised, probably know this, one of my favorite songwriters of all time is a man named Stephen Curtis Chapman. And he is like royalty of the contemporary Christian uh, music thing, which basically happened before worship became the main Christmas, I mean, the main Christmas, main Christian music. Before that, there were like basically Christian Justin Bieber's (laughs) floating about, guys. It It was crazy when we think about it. But Stephen Curtis Chapman has this song called Signs of Life. And it's one of my favorite ones. And he, he talks about like how he gets up in the morning to go to work, which is, he's a musician, so I don't even know why he was trying to make us pretend like, like he was going to the bank or something. Like, we all know what you do, Stephen. Anyway, and he's like, I'm stepping on um, Lego figures. I'm, I'm, you know, wiping up spilled milk. I get in my car and there's crayons rolling around everywhere. And old, in my car, it's basically sandwiches from last year nice. that we couldn't figure out what the smell was. 
And the thing is that what, you, what I will be saying to myself on Christmas is every time something happens that's not on my script, I'm like, but these are the signs of life. Mm-hmm. Like when people are, like what's, what life is everyone following the script? Do you know what I mean? It's really deep. These are the signs of life, mm-hmm. that we're alive, that we're a family. Someone else said to us, and it really hit us uh, right in our hearts, they said, uh, you guys, these are your good old days. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And it shocked me because I was like, you're right. Like when I'm 80, I'll be reliving these days in my head, like wishing I could revisit them. You're living in the good old days. And the good old days could be hard. A lot of times they were marked by, we didn't have a lot of money. We were living paycheck to paycheck, or we didn't know when to da da da. But what they mean is, but you were all together. These are the good old days. And so, that idea of adjusting your expectations, everyone is not going to follow your lovely, lovely written script. Yes. You know, no one, everyone's shirt is not going to stay tucked in all day. Yes. Get your photos taken and then leave it alone. Right. You know, the turkey probably going to be drier than you want it to be. Something is going to burn. Yeah, okay, something is going to burn. Hopefully not one of the kids. <laughs> not, listen, as long as it's not a human, we're good to go. You know, it, just go ahead and embrace yeah. that part of a day of celebration with people mm. is also a day of a bit of chaos. Yeah. And that you're gonna remember that. And there's gonna be stories that you're gonna tell. Remember last year when dad burned the turkey and mom was so angry? Do you remember that? There's a year that you guys have in your, um, when Grand was sick, mm. so she couldn't make the I, Christmas. Yes, yeah, you weren't alive. And this, but it's, it's like folklore it's in the family. Yeah, yeah. She couldn't make the Christmas dinner, so the men were left to it. And it was disgusting. Disaster. It was absolutely. Now, you know, in that moment, everyone was like, you've just ruined Christmas. But now it's like family folklore. Like every year that story is told. And so you just need to embrace it. If it goes right, well done you. If it goes wrong, it's going to be a great story in a year's time. (laughs) So as we wrap this whole thing up, um, wanted to give you an opportunity, Dana, to share any any kind of last words for our community as they've been engaging with, with this thing, as they've been building this rhythm into their lives, and as they do look forward to Christmas? Yeah. What would be the, the final thing that you'd want to say to our church family? Well, there's, there's two things. The first one is from our home. I think what Andrew and I want for our community is exactly the same thing that we want for ourselves and our family. Our dream is to build a family that is connected and vibrant with love, um, with love of Jesus, where there's room here for the scriptures and the activity of the Holy Spirit, where the things that are normal to our children are things like prayer and worship. And I don't say that in an overly spiritual way. We are not a super spiritual family. Like, it's just, listen, it's hard. It's really difficult. We shout too much probably in our home where we would say we're a bit of a shouty family. Our kids know that. They like, you know, would say like, you guys need to work on the shouting a wee bit, right? Um, Where all of us are highly strong, all five of us. Um, And yet we do love each other very deeply. And so we want for your homes what we want for our homes. They're imperfect homes. They're not gonna be made perfect. Not this side of eternity, okay? So let's just, you know, agree that. But they can be made 
wonderful, full of wonder. They can be made that. We can give that to each other this Christmas, but also in our lives. And that's what, that's what we're hoping to do. The second thing that I feel like we didn't talk about and I really wanna highlight because I feel like it's worth saying is in the Advent book, we didn't talk about it a lot, but sort of um, you'll see from page nine, there is a section called Christmas Prayers. And on the 21st of December through to the 25th, you were invited to pray these special liturgies that um, Stu and I really, they just flowed out of our heart for a deeper connection through Advent and through Christmas. There's a Christmas confession and it's a prayer for preparation and it's about uh, being in a space of waiting and having to confess that sometimes we don't believe the Messiah is coming for us. Yes. And, but, but also asking for the Lord to help us in our unbelief. Mm. So that, that is one of, one of my favorite prayers. The 22nd is Mary's liturgy, the prayer for hosting heaven. And we just wanted to take some time in our Advent and turn our attention to Mary, mm. the girl who God decided to call mother. And make sure we were making room in our hearts for the story that God wove through her and with her. And I think there's a really important, especially for, it's for everybody, for the men in our community, for the children in our community, we really need to make sure that we are honoring the story of Mary, but also for those tired moms who are um, every day wondering if they're doing it right, if it's happening right, you know, if they're making those decisions. There's Joseph's liturgy, which you wrote, Stu, which is incredible. We don't talk about the story of Joseph mm -hmm. a lot in his perspective. Sure. <laughs> kind of wild, kind of crazy how he was invited into this story. Um, and then your Christmas Eve prayer. And so I really want to make sure that people know those are in the book. Um, you're invited to do special liturgies on those days. Babe, do you have something that you would want to leave leave the people with well i think if if people have got this far i would well like to say well done absolutely yeah 100 um, because i think when I mean, we talked about this we talked about this so much mm -hmm. that like the you know the process of spiritual formation of family formation mm -hmm. there is no fast track no 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 it's about investment intentional investment over long periods of time yeah and i just think if people have got this far um, and you've journeyed over these four weeks, then well done. And um, we are going to chat more in January about some other stuff that we intend to help with and put in your hands. But I think <clears throat> it's that sense of this is this is what it looks like yeah. to invest in our families, to follow Jesus, and to live into his story and in his way. And it makes me excited that uh, people are actually engaging with this uh, as individuals, as couples, as families. And across our community, so great job, guys. Yeah. It's great. Um, Stu, you are getting ready to go on paternity leave. Yeah. To spend some time with that gorgeous daughter of yours and um, being a new dad. Mm -hmm. So we are excited to announce that um, we are going to do our best to continue this Habits of the Home podcast because we just think that it's such a wonderful thing to be able to have these conversations in our community and have places where we, we talk about what it mm. means 
to as families and as community to follow Jesus together. Uh, Andrew and I are going to do our best to keep the ship right whilst who <laughs> is not here to mediate our conversation. Glorious sinking. <laughs> Did you just say it'll be a glorious sinking? Yeah, you said we're going to keep the ship right. I think that's really uh, not. Uh, it's not good for people's expectations oh. to think lower, the lower the expectations yeah. right. lower, lower <laughs> yeah. ship will sink but say glorious and Wonderful. then you can resurrect it okay. when you're back well anyway look for some uh, indication some emails something to tell you that there will be uh, the new podcast uh, will be available starting in January um, we're so, still sort of working on that and Stu I want to say thank you because uh, you've led us so well in developing this resource. You um, have given us so much in this community and I would like you to sort of wrap up and give us your last words and in, in, in this part of the podcast, if you will. Well, it's been, it's been a joy to be able to work alongside you on this and to have you as our special guest in this last episode has been a treat. Um, I, I guess I want to... the the. The thing that I want us to say, which we've talked about so many times on on these episodes, is that whenever it comes to Advent and whenever it comes to Christmas, the temptation for us is to simply chase after happiness, mm-hmm. when in fact the invitation of this season is for us to be invited into joy. Mm-hmm. And Jesus puts it like this in John 15, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you, now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. And then he says this, I have told you this, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. And simply, we have created this and we've had these conversations because we want our community, our whole community, Mm. from the youngest to the oldest, to get close to Jesus. Mm. And whenever we learn what it means to abide in him, to recline up against him, to rest in him, to arrange our lives around him. Well, he promises that his joy will be in us and our joy will be complete. Mm. And I guess I want to invite us in the midst of the chaotic nature of our homes, the messiness of it all, the fast pacedness of Christmas, just try your best Mm. to create a little bit more space Mm. to make room for Jesus. Because as you do, his joy will be, well, it'll find a home in our lives Mm. as we find our home our home in him so i guess as a parting encouragement do whatever you need to do and do whatever you can just to spend a little bit more time with jesus and invite your family into that because your home will be full of joy as you do it um as we close i want to just pray a uh, a prayer over each of you um and it's a prayer from romans 15 and um, let me just pray this as a blessing just as we wrap this conversation up For all of you, as you listen, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm. And let me pray this over your families. May the God of hope fill your family with all joy and peace as your family trusts in him, so that your family may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Thank you so much for joining us.
Dana, Andy, thank you so much for doing this today. Grace and peace to you and to your home.